I and my then wife, we, we started talking about having children. Uh, there's this moment uh, that I had at, at a client site where it was close to the holidays and we were you know, all together in a room as you typically are on, on these kind of high pressure projects like this one was. And it was the beginning of the day, so the mood, the mood was light and we were talking about what our plans were for the holidays. You know, I turned to my director at the time that uh, was overseeing the work streams that I was part of and, you know, said, oh, what are your kids want for Christmas? Like, what's, what's the cool hot toy that, they, that they're thinking of? And, and his answer has stuck with me for ever since and really informed how I moved forward with my career. And, and he said, well, all that my kids want uh, for Christmas is for me to be home more. From Cobalt at Home, this is Humans of InfoSec, a show about real people, their work, and its impact on the information security industry. My name is Caroline Wong, and I'd like to introduce today's guest, my friend and colleague, Eric Gallis. Eric has over 13 years experience in information security, risk, and compliance. He's especially interested in automation, security monitoring, data protection, and system and app security. Coaching and developing his team members is Eric's favorite part of the job. Today, Eric is VP of Compliance and Security at Cengage. He's also led product security and incident management at two other education software and publishing companies. He got his start in information security at PricewaterhouseCoopers, where he focused on auditing technical controls penetration testing, and security tool and process implementation. I met Eric in San Francisco during the recent Cobalt.io customer advisory board. Fun fact, we were meeting at the Kimpton Sir Francis Drake Hotel that week, just down the hall from Wheel of Fortune auditions. Eric, welcome to our podcast. Hi, Caroline. Thank you very much for having me. And I am a little bit disappointed that uh, nobody from the cab on either side, whether the customer side or the Cobalt side, ended up making it onto Wheel of Fortune. That is really disappointing. I, I thought about ducking out. Like, what's more important to me personally right now, auditioning for Wheel of Fortune or participating in the customer advisory board? And sad to say, you know, I didn't make it, you didn't make it. Uh, but I suppose there's always next time. Yeah, I think we all made the right decision, though. It was a great discussion. <laughs> Eric, just before we got started, you were telling me about the best part of your job. And I wish I had pressed the record button at that time. Um, since I did not, I will ask you again to tell me what is the most satisfying part of your job that you're most passionate about? I really enjoy the people aspect of, of my job and getting the most out of teams, really understanding the strengths and weaknesses of every person on the team, whether they're a direct report to me or you know further down in, in the team reporting into somebody else and helping them understand that and find their compliments either within the team or within the broader organization in order to bring out the best team we can. Um, I, I really feel that in a lot of situations that I like going in, I like understanding the, the folks there 
and then seeing where we can do more with the same tools, the same team that we had, um, but really just getting everyone to be working at their best. And, and I think it, it brings out the best, not just from work, but also personal satisfaction uh, in teams when you feel like you're contributing at a high level and really tackling difficult problems. Yeah, I remember chatting with you and a group of our colleagues over dinner at Foreign Cinema and hearing you talk about your team. It's so clear to me that you really, truly care about these individuals. Um, and, you know, in our industry, it's not always common to find information security teams with a really great culture. And, and I thought to myself, Cengage Information Security sounds like it has a really great culture. And I would love to have Eric on the podcast. Oh, thank you. And I'm trying to, 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 to live what the rest of uh, Cengage is, is working towards. And I think it was put best by our CTO, uh, George Moore, when he was talking about how we, don't, we need to think about when folks leave, if they're leaving to join a better situation, it, it should be a celebration, right? This should, this should be what is best for the people that are part of our team, because those are our, that's always our strength. Um, whether they are here, whether they're a sounding board somewhere else, uh, it's about maintaining those relationships. And you know, I firmly believe that. And uh, people come back around. So if you work well with people, if you support them, whether their best future is within or without the, the organization where you currently are, uh, you're going to cross paths again. And they're going to remember that. And that's going to be the, the way that you continue to work uh, well with those folks. Cool. I totally agree. And I love hearing the perspective from you leading InfoSec at Cengage today. I want to take a, take a walk down memory lane with you. And I'm curious to know, Eric, how would you describe yourself as a kid? Well, I'll start with the positive aspect. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, was, I was always very curious uh, and loved to, to try to take things apart, build things and understand how they work. And I often say, you know, when I, when I, was, a, when I was a teenager, I loved tinkering with my car, but it was, it was the only mode of transportation I had. So there's only so much you can do. And that costs money, which is what drove me into computer science. Writing code costs absolutely no money. It just takes your time. And then, but, you know, it started even, even younger than that with just a fascination about whatever topic the kids are interested in at the time, right? So going through the dinosaur phase that everyone goes through and just getting really deep into, into all the different types of dinosaurs and just trying to absorb as much information about that as possible. But yeah, that's what, what led me into the security world was, or sorry, into the computer science world more generally was the fact that it's something that you can build and tear down and change and modify and learn and take a piece from somewhere else and, and integrate that in and do something really interesting with. That's really cool. You know, I love to observe that as a child, you had a deep love of learning. And as a grown up, you've been working at learning companies. So that's really cool. And I'd love to learn a little bit more about your decision to study computer science. You know, it's funny, I'm, I'm thinking about my husband right now, because he's the person in my life closest to me that's 
also obsessed with cars, I have come to understand how expensive it is to have an interest in cars. Uh, and he didn't decide to study computer science. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by this turn of events, and I'd love to hear more about what that was like for you. Yeah, so it's, uh, again, it started before the cars, but it was Legos, um, a Rector set, anything where you can build and take components and put them together to do what you in your mind envisioned. And then I found this, uh, it was this VTech one line, like pre-computer and it had basic in it, but it also had some built-in games. And I quickly lost interest in the built-in games, but found that you could write your own program. And they had a little guy that came with it about learning basic. And that was the first time that I actually took something and made it electronic and made it do the, what I wanted you know, through code. And it was intriguing. And then I got an old Texas Instruments uh, computer that you had to hook up to your TV in order to get it to, uh, to work. And, it just evolved from there. And it was always about being able to imagine something, learn about it, and then make that happen. And that was always fascinating for me. That's so cool. That's awesome. I understand that when you were a university student, you were designing websites. Um, and I'm curious to know, like, what sorts of websites? Yeah, so it was for, I worked for the Department of Engineering, or the College of Engineering, sorry, at uh, the University of Massachusetts. So uh, I worked under their webmaster for a period of time, and it was the entire college's public-facing website about the curriculum, uh, the professors, you know, what you would expect to, to study there, uh, a lot of the marketing material to bring, bring students into that college. Um, I was not part of that college. I was... Uh, in uh, math and sciences where computer science lived at the time. And the webmaster left. And for the next two years, they decided they didn't need to bring anyone else on. And I maintained the website myself, uh, working directly for the, uh, the administrator for the Unix systems there uh, and learned a lot about Linux and Unix through him um, and really started to get a taste of, of what the security concerns they were facing at that time, right? And that is, you know, how do you make sure that students are using their account when they're logging into the labs that we have? Um, how do we stop them from trying to gain access to other students' assignments or, or programming assignments or whatever it might be? Um, so it was really interesting and that's really where I started thinking about security. But, you know, the majority of my time at UMass was building these websites, managing a lab a little bit later, uh, and learning how to code. And really, it was computer science was getting you ready for being a developer. Very cool. So then, as I understand it, and maybe you did some coding at PwC, but you did not decide to take like a pure software developer role, if you will. Tell me about your decision process that led you to PwC. Yeah, so after four years of, of learning how to be a developer, I understood that I didn't actually want to go into that field. Um, and that's when, you know, the, the path of happy accidents that I like to, is how I like to, to state it, kind of started. So PricewaterhouseCoopers was building out their security practice. Uh, it was fairly small at that point, And they 
were looking to add some folks. And most of the work that was being done by that team was audit support for the Sarbanes-Oxley regulation that had gone into place. And this was just doing system reviews, network reviews. It was about password parameters, patching practices, things like that. Um, but I had taken, we had one class through the four years that I took of computer science at UMass, or at that time, there was only one class which really focused on security. And um, yeah, I thought it was an awesome class and I really was, was engaged. And when someone else who had taken a class with that professor who ended up at PwC reached out to the professor to ask about anyone that would be a good fit for this position, uh, he recommended me. I went, I interviewed. Uh, so I grew up out in Western Mass. It's, it's a very, it's very, small, uh, very small town that I was in. Stayed pretty close at UMass. It was, I hadn't gone that far. And Boston was a whole nother level of magnitude. So, you know, it was a lot of first going into this, going into the city by myself for this interview. It was, it was daunting, but exciting at the same time. And then the people I spoke with were asking me questions uh, about security and about how I would approach these different problems. But it wasn't like, what are your, they weren't these probing like trying to trip you up types of questions. And it just seemed like a place that I wanted to be. So uh, I ended up joining the, the team at PwC. And like I said, we, when, we, when I first started, we focused on system reviews um, and network reviews and, and the vulnerability management and all those things that could show that you had controls in place around your financial systems. But as the way we as a society used technology became more public. Um, so, you know, you had more websites, you had websites that weren't just content, but were interactive. You could start doing like online banking uh, happen, you know, all of these different apps that started to show up. Uh, as that evolved, the security threat landscape evolved as well. And we evolved as an organization. And, uh, you know, being part of that process at PwC was, you know, everyone was learning together. And that was an amazing opportunity. That's really cool. You know, it's interesting. I'll have to look at the years that you were there uh, and try and figure out, because when I was on the eBay information security team, we hired PwC consultants to do our SOX audit. And so it's just funny that, you know, here we are years and years later, uh, and it's actually possible that our, that our professional paths may have crossed early in our careers which is which is kind of fun. Eric, I have a silly question for you. Cuz I love this I love this picture that you painted for us of you know, yourself as a young man, small town guy going to the big city. Do you remember what you wore for like your interview or like your first day of work? Like I'm I'm so curious to know what, you know, what you wore. Uh for the interview, I remember that I had an off-the-shelf, very inexpensive suit that probably fit very poorly, <laughs> um, and a tie that I bought specifically for uh, that day with my, my then-girlfriend, now-wife, that she helped me pick out, and um, many, many thanks to her, not just then, but throughout the years, for steering me clear of some very major uh, faux pas in, in the fashion world but 
Uh, and then the first day, that, they were, yeah, they were pretty clear, I think, at that point on what business casual meant for them. So uh, <laughs> regular button down shirt and, and some slacks, I think. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Nothing that sticks out. <laughs> Thank you so much for indulging me. Um, I just, I just think to myself about a person's kind of like first day, first interview experience. And, and I thought that was kind of fun. So Eric, I want to talk to you about your transition from consulting to industry. Uh, what did that decision-making process look like for you? Um, and how did you choose to go into education and learning? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, and it goes back to um, the phrase I had used earlier about a path of happy accidents. And I really believe that where I ended up today and where I am today is a path of happy accidents. Now, that's not to say that, you know, it's, it's just like 100% luck. And if you're in the right place at the right time, you're going to end up doing what you want to do. Um, it's really, it's been about doing the job that I'm in the best that I can, learning as much about it and kind of the parallel or ancillary parts of it that I can to be ready for whatever opportunity arrives next. Uh, so, you know, after spending about seven years at, at PwC, I and my then wife, we, we started talking about having children. And uh, there's this moment uh, that I had at, at a client site where it was close to the holidays, um, close to Christmas, and we were, you know, all together in a room, as you typically are on, on these kind of high pressure projects like this one was. And it was the beginning of the day, so the mood, the mood was light, and we were talking about what our plans were for the holidays. And, you know, I turned to my director at the time that uh, was overseeing the work streams that I was part of and, you know, said, Oh, what are you and uh, what are your kids want for Christmas? Like what's, what's the cool hot toy that they, that they're thinking of. And, and he, his answer has stuck with me for ever since and really informed how I moved forward with my career. And, and he said, well, all that my kids want uh, for Christmas is for me to be home more. Oh my gosh. And so that, yeah, it, 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 it just, that really hit home for me. And I loved the consulting world. When you're called in as a consultant into an organization, they have a problem that they want to solve, right? So there is this call to, to, to action around it. Uh, a lot of times when you're in industry, I think we all can, can attest to the fact that sometimes things don't move at the pace that you would expect or want them to. But when you are being brought in as a consultant, no, just the hourly rate that that, that client is paying means they are, in, they are very serious about getting something done there. And I, I loved the, the way that the problems and the clients change and you get to see so many different approaches, so many different cultures, and so many different working styles. But it is demanding of your time. And so it was time to make the decision to, to start looking for the next opportunity where I could free up more of my capacity for my family. And so again, happy accidents, same person who had ended up at PwC reached out to the professor at UMass that ended up giving my name, uh, had moved on uh, when he started deciding, when he had decided to have a family uh, and he was at Pearson at the time. So, he reached out, it had been 
enough time uh, that there was no more conflict clause. He reached out and said he had a, a role that he thought I'd be a good fit for. I went and met the team there. Uh, it was it had this startup feel within such a large organization. So Pearson is is huge, and at the time, the way that they were handling the digital learning portion of the business, it, it still felt like this this startup within the the, the broader organization, and. There were they were moving at such a, a, a fast pace and security was having a hard time keeping up. So that was an interesting problem to me. Again, happy accident that I got to identify that and go there and, and help out with that. Uh, and that's what started my my journey through uh, the education uh, industry here. It's really cool. I, I appreciate so much you sharing these very, very personal things that you and your family considered as you were navigating the various steps in your career, I think it's, it's simply real that each of us, as we go throughout our careers, you know, we, we've got to consider what's going on personally um, and hopefully find uh, something that's a fit. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, and I think that's super cool. You've, you and I have, have had so many fun and great discussions about our families and about our teams. And I'm curious to know, what's your advice to hiring managers and to candidates? And what does the, what does the talent and skills situation look like from your perspective in our industry? I think that's a, a fantastic question. And I always like to keep in mind my path of happy accidents and how I can learn from that when we're addressing uh, the hiring issues that we all recognize. So, you know, it's well discussed in our industry that there is a shortage of good security talent for uh, very specific areas and in general. Um, but what I found is if you start thinking about it differently, it makes it much more easy to fill some of those gaps that you identify. And what I mean by that is, oh, as I said, it's about learning. It's about that problem solving. That was, that's always been my, my passion. It's, it happened to manifest itself most cleanly uh, and easily. And then in computer science, and then after that into security, but it's about identifying a problem, learning as much as you can about that problem and ways people have tried to solve that problem in the past. And then finding if there's a new way, seeing if you can apply your knowledge that you have from other areas to that problem. So I always like when we are uh, hiring, I always like to look first at parallel ancillary areas uh, that would then translate well in uh, or to people who are completely outside of the, the specific job that we're looking for. So uh, one example is we have a guy on our infrastructure team came out of our desktop team. So he was interested in security, was going out and taking classes and working towards uh, a degree in uh, information security, reached out to us and said, this is where he wanted to be. And so I, I, that was a great story because it was the perfect time when we were looking to, to build a team. And he can bring a different perspective of how he works with the end user with an organization that uh, a purely security person may not have. And so, the security skills 
I still believe we can teach people that, right? That is, that is the easier part, but how you communicate, how you approach a problem, how you empathize with people, because at the end of the day, security still has to work with other parts of the organization in order to get things done. So those skills are so much more important, I believe, towards a successful security team than knowing how to, how to attack a website or what the right way to do network segmentation is or why a specific vulnerability on a specific system is the most worst thing you've ever seen in your life. I think those things people can pick up very quickly. But the other side, those, those softer skills, the way you approach a problem, your mindset, those are things that are much more difficult to teach. So one of the things we're doing now is working with uh, a company called Apprenti that does an apprenticeship around different areas of IT. Uh, I am the now third uh, leader within our IT organization at Cengage to use this, uh, this company. And we will have two apprentices come on in the next couple of weeks. And what they did was, I'm sorry, the next couple of months. What they did is they send you, you, you say how many people you, you want to bring on, how many apprentices you want to bring on. We wanted two. So you get to talk to four individuals. And these are four individuals that you're not supposed to ask any questions about security or anything technical to. Uh, they are, you're supposed to be checking them for problem solving, communication, culture fit with your organization, um, personality, those kind of things. They then take them once you've selected two and they put them through a rigorous training. And then they give you, at the end of that, you get somebody who has all of this very specific security training uh, that you spoke to at the beginning. So you have a good feeling about them being a, a good part of the team. And I think thinking about things like that and how we can apply that more generally too. So this is great because they put together the curriculum, they put them through it, and then it's, we get that person that's been through, gotten those, there's a couple certifications they're getting along with it. Uh, we get that at the end of that training and we get them for a year and, that's, and then we can decide to make them full-time if we want, and that's fantastic. But it doesn't have to be that formal. It can be that you find somebody within your organization or outside of your organization that is very interested and willing to put in some of that personal time to learn where you can help them build that curriculum. And I think between the leaders in our, our industry, as well as the folks on our team, we can, we can identify what that curriculum should be. And there's plenty of resources out there, both free and paid, that can get you there and get you the information you need. And there's labs that you can do. And if we just point people in the right direction and kind of guide them and mentor them through that process. So I really believe that some of the best folks that I've worked with in security started somewhere else, expressed an interest in security, and now they are doing great things, solving really interesting problems, and working well with others in the organization uh, in ways that, you know, like I said, maybe somebody who had spent their entire career in security, they wouldn't have thought of it that way. So I think it's important to have that good mix of people who come at security from a core security knowledge, but then also bringing in new folks who can learn and bring some additional different thought patterns to the, the problem. Eric, this is phenomenal. I really like the way you're thinking about this. Hearing you talk about it makes me wonder if 
you as a hiring manager actually have have totally been able to tackle some of the most difficult challenges that a lot of hiring managers in our in our org in our in our industry face you know when i talk to application security hiring managers for example the vast majority of folks that i speak with you know they've got one or two or five open positions on their team and it's just really tough and what that means of course is that for the existing folks on their team uh, it can be really stressful you know to not have a fully built out team that you can work with and rely on um, so i appreciate so much your deep thought in this area uh, and specifically for sharing with us what the apprentice program looks like so i mean it's just so cool that the listeners here have a specific example uh, that they can go check out, um, maybe make use of, or maybe borrow some of the concepts and apply them in a less structured manner. I just, I just think that's so cool. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And you know, I, I think a lot of times I, I like to speak in in flowery generalizations, and I don't want to downplay the fact that there are still very specific positions that we need very skilled in one area of security or, or a, maybe even a broader area of security, but you need somebody who has been there, done that 10 times over in that particular role. Uh, and we do have, we still have those needs, right? And those ones are still going to be very difficult to fill. But when you start to think about scaling them, that's when you really need to apply the different uh, approach, I, I, I think. And there is still, I mean, there's still a, a gap and we still need to address that and bring people into the industry. And I don't, I, again, I don't want to downplay that. Um, and I feel like sometimes maybe I do that, but it, it's just, you need to complement it in, in a certain way as well. Yeah, that makes sense to me. You know, that really speaks to uh, sort of the, the creative exercise, which is building a team and recognizing sort of what kind of skills uh, and experiences and, and approaches uh, you need to complement each other uh, and to add add value. Eric, I'm actually not surprised that we've, we've come to the end of our time so quickly. And as a final question, I'd just like to know, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners who, who might be hearing your story and inspired by your story? Uh, any parting advice uh, that you'd like to share? Yeah, I think it comes back to recognizing that sometimes happy accidents happen, but they can only happen if you're prepared for them. So while a lot of my journey has been these, it looks like these spots where I, I've gotten lucky. Again, it's about, I think, having the right experience, uh, the right approach, trying to learn as much as you can, doing the best you, job you can in the particular role that you're in and just being ready for opportunity when it comes. So, you know, whether that means spending a little bit extra time off hours, learning about something you're interested in so you can learn, so you can apply that in a new way, uh, seeking out a project at your organization that may be slightly outside of your, your particular uh, role at the time, uh, or just, you know, making sure that you get lunch with uh, somebody on a regular basis because they have an, they have an interesting career that you want to 
understand better. It, it's just about doing all those those little things and, and not one of them can can I point to and say, it's because I went and did that thing that when this particular opportunity came along, I was ready to jump on it. It's just finding as many of those as possible and and fitting them into your time appropriately and, and picking the ones that you feel will be most impactful for your life. Awesome. Eric, thank you again so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for having me. This has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Humans of InfoSec is brought to you by Cobalt.io, a pen testing as a service company. Like what you hear? Subscribe, share, or leave a review wherever you enjoy podcasts. And don't forget to say hello. You can find us on Twitter at Humans of InfoSec. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.